before Brother Burks comes, I see a, a dear friend of mine, Brother T.J. Tilly, in the house. I want to recognize him, missionary all over the place. You got you got two minutes to tell us what you've been doing? Have you done anything lately? That's the bigger question. No, nothing. <laughs> uh, uh, just... <laughs> Amen. Staying busy here in the states. I know it restricted some of your travel and so forth. And uh, boy, if you ever want to, if you ever want to be part or go on a mission trip where you can be part of just seeing fruit, 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 uh, just let me know. And you can go, to Brother TJ, sometime. And, uh, maybe you, you be, better have a good prayer life and get you prayed up. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, he'll take you over to, to Ghana or West a- somewhere in Africa and just. Uh, unbelievable way the Lord's moving over there and working through those local pastors that he goes and helps train and support and appreciate my friend been a good friend for a long time good to have you with us tonight yes sir Kenya, because this stuff, we don't think about it. I mean, we, we got limited some, but, you know, we're a first world country. What do we do? We just adjusted, went outside, and had services outside, just kept rolling. And, and some of these places are just completely shut down from folks being able to get there, missionaries, to share the gospel. And so so pray when they, these things do open up, and soon, that uh, just hey, it's just, just, just piled up, bundled up, ready for fruit to be delivered, and folks to hear the gospel. Amen. So praying for that. All right, Brother Burks, I may have enjoyed Brother Burks this morning, and, and I tell you what, I had, I had a great time fellowshipping with him at lunch, and uh, uh, sweet man, uh, his wife's really sweet, and he's okay, uh, but anyway, enjoyed it, appreciate the message this morning, look forward to hearing from you tonight. When people say better half, I understand what, I understand what they're talking about, I, like an old guy preached for me one time, he said he re- he understood he was on the receiving end of God's mercy when it came to getting uh, his wife. And uh, if you looked at him, looked at her, you'd understand more about what he was talking about. But uh, well, I tell you, uh, I really enjoyed uh, being with you this morning and preaching with you. A friendly bunch of people. I can tell you, love the Lord, and it's not hard to see where the cream of the crop's at, right? I stirred it up this morning and and churned it, and this is the cream now it's come to the top. So, <laughs> but uh, that's the way it is in in every church I know, and I don't know about too many because I usually stayed pretty close to home when I was pastoring. But it's the same thing. What I gather talking to pastors everywhere, you have a bigger crowd on Sunday, and then a, it goes down a little bit, and then maybe stays about the same or goes down a little bit more on Wednesday night. Thank God up there at Crow, it's uh, still going strong and, and getting a lot of young people, and that's a good thing when you can get young people to come out and young families. And uh, so we're thanking the Lord for that. And tonight, um, I'll get you to turn your Bible, please, to the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. I'm sure you've heard many messages out of the eighth chapter of Romans. And as I said this morning about familiar passages, there, there is a reason that they're familiar, okay? And I'll I just tell you, I love the Word of God, but there are places that I turn in it more than others, okay? I remember being at the dentist one time, and uh, uh, Psalm 23 is my go-to, 
so I just keep quoting that over and over and over and over while they're doing what they're doing. You never know if you're going to strangle, right? Swallow that stuff they put in your mouth that you're not supposed to. That's always been one of my concerns. They jab all that stuff in there, and then they're drilling, and you don't know what that is, and, and you don't know, am I supposed to swallow this? Or, or, and I asked the dentist one time, and he said, yeah, it won't hurt you. Go ahead. <laughs> of course, they got a Kirby vacuum cleaner and all that there to get it out of you. So. Romans chapter 8. And uh, if you're able to stand, would you stand? And we'll just read a portion. A great governing verse that's found here is in verse 28. And we'll read through verse 31 for our text tonight. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? And I want you to pay particular attention. We'll light on this in just a minute. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another Lord's Day. Thank you for another opportunity we had that we might enter in together to worship, that we might come together in that name that's above every name. And truly tonight, Lord, we bow our hearts, we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God, and we thank you so much for loving us the way you do. And we thank you for such a great salvation that you've given us freely through Christ. And tonight, Lord, I pray as we would preach from your precious word, that God, you'd come alongside me and help me. Empower me, Lord, to preach the word of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray you'll bless these people of this church. God, that you'll watch over them. You'll help them, Lord, and, and that you'll continue to have your hand upon them for good. And Lord, tonight, God, we pray you'll speak to our hearts. For truly, Lord, we need to hear from heaven in this day that we live in. So, God, I pray you'll challenge us, and I pray, God, tonight that you'll have your way. And I'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, Brother Tilly, I've never met you before, but I've heard of you. Your, your fame precedes you, okay? <laughs> All the way to the big city of Crow, West Virginia. Yeah. And uh, so, good things. We've heard good things about you. The eighth chapter of Romans, great chapter. And I want to, I want to point out, at, just at the onset here, three, three things in particular that we can all learn in this chapter. And, of course, we read verse 31, which tells us, in effect, God is for us. Well, shall we say to these things, if God be for us, who can be against us? Look, if God, God is for you, it's not a matter of if he is. He is. God is for you. I know people who are scared to death of God. They, they think God is a, out here standing around the corner waiting to waylay them when they come around. He's going he's to attack them or something. But verse 26 here says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We find here that the Spirit of God is for us. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession 
for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And then if you'll notice verse 34, Who is he that condemneth that is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? And we find out that Christ is for us. That will make us all feel good tonight, isn't it? That uh, to know that that uh, we have someone who, who is on our side, someone who wants to bless us and someone who, who wants to help us. And no doubt, if God be for us, who in the world could be against us? You say, well, I've got a lot of people against me. Well, we all have one person in particular who's against us. We know the Lord, and of course, that's Satan himself. and uh, He is out to steal and to kill and to destroy, and he, he's doing a good job. Uh, one th- I heard about uh, uh, a lady in the church one time, and uh, she was kind of like my mother. My mother never talked about anybody. She never got, she didn't believe in it. And uh, it was hard to get her to rail against anybody. I heard her rail my dad two or three times, but other than that, she wouldn't say anything negative, you know. But uh, this lady was in the church, and she was just like that. She just said, everything she said about someone was good. That's strange to find to find someone like like that. And some old boys one day, they, they said, well, I bet you we can get her to say something bad about somebody. And they would mention this person, and she'd come out with something good about them, you know. And they'd mention another person, and they was a, they'd be a rascal, and she'd just say something good about them. And they kept on, they never could catch her up. Finally, they said, we got her now. So what about the devil? said, you can't say nothing good about him. She said, he's a hard worker. And he is a hard worker. We need God to be for us. It's hard to find anybody else who's really for you. If you want to find out if somebody's for you, do something they don't like and see if they're still for you. Okay, Do something that displeases them and see if they're still for you or not. People are for you if it benefits them, if the circumstances suit them. Otherwise, they're not really for you. So there is a, uh, here in the middle of all of this, a great verse of Scripture in verse 28 that actually is a governing verse. I'm going to say it that way. It's a governing verse for everything else here. And we'll read that again. It's It's a verse that we would want to commit to memory. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. We want things to work together for good. I do. I long for things to be good, don't you? I want want them to work together for good. But what's the key to that? There's a key here given us that will cause things to work together for good in the life of a believer. And that's, that's things that I want to know. And it's very simple here, and, and the outline of the verse outlines itself. Knowing that all things work together is to love God. Now, that might just seem like a, a statement that we could just throw out there and, and all is well, and we love God, and we just say we love God. But the word here... And this term of loving God doesn't mean just to say, I love God. This is to means, means to actively love God. 
And uh, you'll see what we're saying about that as, as we go along. Now, one thing we can be assured of, God loves us. I, I don't know what else God can do to prove to us that he loves us. God commendeth his love. He showed it. He displayed it. He manifested it. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And on and on and on. God loves us, and God has put action to that. And he's proven it. Uh, we just throw the word love out there like it doesn't mean a whole lot, but it, it means everything. So we have to realize that God has our best interests at heart. And it's hard to comprehend the love of God. Who would give his son? Who would give his only son for sinners? And uh, the Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He delivered him up, the Bible says, for us. So it's hard to comprehend that, that kind of love. Look, uh, I know myself, and there's been a lot of times in my life I didn't even love myself. I didn't love the things I said. I didn't love the things I do. And there's still times in my life when I don't like the things that I think. I don't love them. But God loves us in spite of our weaknesses. God loves us in spite of our sins. He didn't wait till we got saved to love us. He loved us while we were yet sinners. And not only that, He loves every person. And He doesn't love me any more than He loves them. doesn't love them any more than He loves you. I can't say, I mean, I know the Apostle John walked around saying he was the one Jesus loved, but I guarantee you all of them was thinking that. He was just saying it. Well, we, if we love God, he said, it works together for good to them that love God. So there can be no doubt God loves us. But what about us loving God? I, I think if we love God, there's some things that will be evident in our life, there's some things that we're going to automatically do. Well, first of all, we would confess our sins. I had a crowd of people one time, and I, you know, in First John one nine, which we'll reference here, John is writing to believers, and we need to understand that first. He's not writing to a bunch down at the beer joint. Okay? He's not writing to them. And uh, he's not writing to the bunch up in Washington, D.C. He said, if we, believers, confess our sins, we <laughs> stopped there and preached a long time on the sins of the believer. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This confession is, is saying back to God what God has already, what He knows and what He's saying to us in, in agreement with God. I, I did sin. I did sin. And God, I need you to cleanse me of that sin. To be initially forgiven through Christ of all sin, past, present, and future sins, but to walk in the fellowship of the Lord. To walk in sweet fellowship. We can't have sin in our life. And the only way it can be dealt with is to be confessed before God. And God cleanses us. And that needs to be as it happens. I know people who 
sin and forget about it. The problem is they've never made that right with God. But if we love God, it would, it would hurt us to have sin in our life and it not be confessed and forsaken. And let's be cleansed of it and our fellowship be sweet with God. We would do that, I think, if we love God. That would be one of the things of loving God and all things working together for our good. It would have to be. The other thing is as a believer, we need to find out what the will of God is. And uh, then we need to do it. Now we know the will of God is stated. It's obvious. It's, it's certain on some things because the Bible tells us certain things are the will of God. But Paul writes over here in the, in the 12th chapter of Romans and he says this, that there's a perfect will of God. Most of us never get to the perfect will of God. We live in the permissive will of God and what God permits us to do. And the way God permits us to live, it's not what God intends. It's not the perfect will of God. And so he says here in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, again to believers, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now I take from that that he's talking here to the church. To these bodies, I, I might look like I have more than one body, but I only got one. But all of us together, he's saying, present your bodies to God. He said, that's your, that's your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, if we love God... That's the key to all things working together for good. Then we need to know what the will of God is. What's God's perfect will for me? I don't know what God's will is for you. That would be a, that would be impossible, wouldn't it? For go around and look at people and say, hey, here's what God's will is for you, and here's what God's will is for you. It's kind of like Isaiah when he's going around saying, woe to you, and woe to you, and woe to you, and woe to you. And all of a sudden he says, he sees God and he says, woe to me, you know. But what about me? I can know, and I should know, and I ought to make every effort to know what God's will is for me. I know all the excuses because over the years I've heard them all, and I've probably made most of them myself, of why I can't do this and why I can't do that. And it's true that none of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. And it's usually something wonderful, and it's usually something powerful, and it's usually something grand. You think it's not a powerful thing for a person to have a, have a prayer ministry and pray for needs of the church, pray for missionaries like Brother Tilly, pray for preachers, pray for pastors, pray for Sunday school teachers. I told a fellow one time who was complaining about the Sunday school teacher, I said, look, the only thing that's going to make that guy a good Sunday school teacher is prayer and the power of God. If you want, if you want to be a good Sunday school teacher, get on your knees and pray that God will make him a good Sunday school teacher. And if that don't suit you, pray God will make you a good Sunday school teacher. And you take over. One way or the other. I mean, what else can you do? So those things, and then... If we love God, we'll serve God in whatever way he gives us to serve him. 
I know folks who've retired and who've gotten older. They can't get out and beat on doors like maybe some of us can. And they've never been called to preach. And they're really in bad health. They can't do a lot. But I know, I know people who have a card ministry, of all things, to send out get-well cards and thank-you cards and sympathy cards and I'm thinking and praying of you cards. And you think, don't think a whole lot of that until you go to talking to the people that they've sent them to. <laughs> That's a good thing when somebody sends you something in the mail that says, I've been praying for you. Right? That means a whole lot. Well, we can do that. Surely we can do something like that. But to serve God, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, the Apostle Paul said, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to the stewardship that God gives us. All of us are stewards. All of us are stewards. And a steward means a manager. God puts certain things in our possession, whatever it may be, and we're to manage it for him, right? And we don't want to be like the guy that he gave the money, certain amounts of money, that he's, and at the, the, the last one, he didn't give him much because evidently he knowed him, and uh, he took it and buried it. He dug a hole and put it in. He, he said, here it is. I, I wasn't dealing with that. We don't want to be that guy. He lost it all. Well, so love does do something. We're always grateful that God loves us. But we don't do a whole lot of thinking about us loving God. I guarantee you that if you have a wife or a girlfriend, there's more to it than just saying so. Right? I mean, everybody likes to hear it. But I've heard it from people till they just say it so much I don't know that it means anything anymore. Everybody loves you, according to them. Right? Love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. And, you know... What does it mean? If you love me, how come you didn't come take me to the hospital when I called you? <laughs> if you love me, how come you didn't loan me a hundred dollars when I was down and out, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I understand why <laughs> that. But mature love has a trust to it. I say I love my wife. But right along, hand in hand with that, I trust my wife. Trust goes with love. As it has to be. And so we say we love God. And that's the key. That is the key to all things working together to good for us. is to love God. And we, we say we love God. But I, I will say this about love. You can't manufacture it. You, you can't produce it. And it's not in you to produce love. Here's what it says about love in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, right? There's no law telling you to do these things. But to love is something that's produced by the Spirit of God who lives and abides in the, in the, in the believer. And that's what he does. You, you don't have it. I don't have it. You know, it's kind of like trying to drum up revival or something. <laughs> How do you do that? 
That's, that's of God. God does that. God is the one. It's the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. So those things are evident that we need to do those things to love God. But the key to all things working together for good is, first of all, to love God. And as we said, that's an active love. A friend of mine, I guess it's been probably 20 years ago, woke up one night with his house burning down around him. And I guess uh, the batteries had gone bad in his smoke detector or whatever, and he just heard the fire crackling and, and woke up smothering with smoke and got his family out, but he's out there and he's, uh, it's in the wintertime and he's watching his house burn to the ground. Of course, like always, it grew a big crowd and a lot of the neighbors and things come along. And I guess one guy was standing there and trying to make him feel better. And he said, uh, he said, well, you know, the Bible says all things work together for good. And he said he kept waiting and waiting. He never did say anything. And he looked at him, and there was a lot of people listening. And he looked at him. It was his house burning <laughs> to the ground. And the guy said, it all works together for good. He said, to them that love God. It works together, he said, good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. It may not work together good for you because that guy wasn't saved. It seems like everybody knows a little bit of Scripture, even if it's out of context and, and uh, they've heard it all their life like that. I grew up here in about, a, in the end time, a small brown-skinned nation would rise up and rule the world. Well, I knew that verse better than anybody, but the only problem with it was when I got saved and I started to learn the Bible, I got to thinking about what I'd heard all my life, and somebody introduced me to a Strong's Concordance and gave me a, a course on methods of Bible study. <laughs> and I, I looked in that Strong's Concordance, I wore that thing out looking for little, looking for brown, looking for skin, looking for all. I mean, it says every word in the Bible's in there. I never could find it. And I'd heard it quoted all of my life. And money's the root of all evil. You knew that, didn't you? But it's, it, that's not the, what it says. If it was, we'd all be sunk. I don't know the power company and the water company over home. They don't take nothing but money for the, what their bill. But it's the love of it, certainly, is the root of all evil. Then the other part here that goes along with that in our text not only to love God, but understanding that you're the called according to his purpose. We know all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, most people want God to work according to their own purpose. Here's where we go astray. Here's the way it goes. God, would you do this for me? And God, would you do that for me? And Lord, I would like to have that, and I'd like this to work out this way, and I want this to work out this way. And as long as it is, and as long as they're getting it, and as long as it's working out that way, everything is, is fine. 
But when it begins to work to God's purpose, different story. A whole, a whole a big difference there. What happens when God says no? Yeah. You remember uh, John the Baptist? Man, he's, he's quite the man. Jesus said, no greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. And he's out there preaching at the Jordan and he's calling them a bunch of snakes and, you know, uh, I mean, he's really ripping into them. And he's preaching repentance and baptism in water according to that to prove that they've repented. And he's got a big crowd going. And uh, he's pretty famous. One day he gets called back to the king, and he winds up in prison for preaching a message that is, well, she wasn't his wife. I don't know what she'd be, his mistress, I guess. She didn't like it. And so they asked for John the Baptist's head. And John the Baptist is there in prison, which wasn't nothing but a hole in the ground. It wasn't a southern regional jail over at Beckley, I'll tell you that right now. And uh, John the Baptist sends to Jesus. Now, he, he's his cousin, <laughs> right? They know each other very well. And they're playing on the same team. And he says, go ask him. Are you he, or do we look for another? Now, you think hard times don't discourage you, don't depress you? They really do. But what happened to John the Baptist was according to God's purpose, not John's purpose. Let me show you something else in Matthew chapter 16. Kind of illustrate what we're talking about. God has a purpose. God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for this church. God has a purpose for the world. But watch, watch this in Matthew 16, 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Uh, we can understand how he's feeling. But he turned, Jesus turns, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And the purpose of God here was that Christ would go and he would go to the cross and he would give his life and he'd be crucified and be buried and raised again bodily from the dead. That's the purpose of God. But Peter couldn't see the purpose of God. Peter was concerned about his own purpose. He wanted Jesus to stay there. He was he had grown to love him. And Peter was bold. I mean, he was bold. He was the boldest of all of them. He's the, he's the one that was always putting his foot out there and putting, most of the time putting it in his mouth. But, you know, he, at least he stepped forward on a lot of occasions. He was more or less the leader of that crew. And Jesus said, that's not the purpose of God. What is God's purpose for 
Well, for me and you, I'm going to tell you God's purpose for all of us, ultimately, is found in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. I don't know how these uh, Calvinistic preachers grab that and get predestination out of that. I mean, <laughs> if it was predestinated to something, there's to be conformed to the image of his Son, in this, at least in this, in this context. And, and look, uh, what's it going to take for that to happen? That's, that's God's purpose. He wants us to be more like Jesus. If you want to please God, be more like Jesus. Now, you're not going to be Jesus. I'm not a Mormon. Okay? God forbid. No, we're not God, and we're never going to be God. But we need to be like Him. How do we know what he's like? We, we read about him. We study about him in his word. He reveals himself to us. And um, we're conformed. Whatever it takes to fulfill that purpose of God. Do you feel yourself going forward that you're closer to God than you've ever been? That's what you want. I want to get closer to God. But you know, for me to get closer to God, I've got to get rid of some stuff. There's some things that's got to happen in my life. And this conforming, that word means to be, to be put in a mold. Look, there's pressure involved in that. How does God turn us from one direction to another? Remember, Paul, he sees a man over in Macedonia waving at him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Now there you go. That, that would be the easy way to find out, right? The rest of us, God's going to put the pressure on us. A lump of clay has to be shaped. I'm fascinated by to watch a potter on a wheel. I've often wished I could do something like that. Tell me to draw a picture, right? I'll mess a stick man up, right? Now, I can draw a house or something like that where you take a ruler and measure it and get the line. I can do all that, but just a free form, draw of something, forget that. My daughter can. My wife can't. I can't. I don't know where she got that kind of talent at, but hey, more power to her, right? But they take that clay, put some water on it, and start, start it spinning, and they know where to put the pressure to make different forms. But they're not going to make nothing until the pressure's put on it. And then they can make something. And that's the way we are before God. We're, we're going to be conformed. And how, whatever God's got, He puts pressure on us to turn us in His life, to make us re-decide something, to make us go in a new direction, to change our mind, whatever it has to be. He doesn't publish it up there in the, in the Raleigh Register up in Beckley. He, he doesn't put it in the newspaper for us. He does it in our heart and in our life by the circumstances that God allows and the things that he allows to happen. That lump of clay, a stone has to be chiseled, a, a wood has to be carved, whatever you, however you want to look at it, it's, it's making something into an image that you already know what you want. And God already knows what he wants us to be. That's his purpose for us. And everything we do, look, To have things in our life work together for good 
we have to allow God to do his purpose for us. What's his purpose? It has to be done. And I have to be willing to let him do it. And then I want to say this. Every circumstance in our life has the capability, and I'm not saying it will, but it has the capability of working together for our good. I'm not saying every circumstance will work together for our good, but it has the capability if God gets hold of it, if it's God's purpose. Remember what we started with, God is for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? So God wants to accomplish some things in our life. I don't know that we ever really sit down and allow him to do it fully. We'll go along a little ways. Most of the time, if it gets too complicated, if it gets too hard, you know, if it's too much pressure, we'll bail. <laughs> you know what I mean by bailing out on God? Just bail out and say, you know, I don't think it's God's will for me. That's, a, that's the easy way for the Christian guy. But I just don't think that's what God's will is for me. Abraham was called to take his son, his only son, Genesis chapter 22 says, and offer him as a burnt offering upon Mount Moriah. And, and he, he did. He, he went, and he went through the whole process. And we could read it out of the Bible. It's in Genesis 22, the first 14 verses. But I want to say this. I'll just, we'll just kind of summarize it. I think Abraham believed that God was for him. In fact, the first time I read that story, I thought, God, why would you tell that man to sacrifice his son? What does that mean? Then I find out later, over in the book of Hebrews, that it says Abraham knew if he did, God would raise him back from the dead. That's some faith. That's real faith. But Abraham believed that God was for him, and it worked together for his good. For Isaac carried it on. Turn with me. I think we have the time here to do this. First Kings chapter 17. The book of First Kings. The 17th chapter. And let's read a few verses right here. Verse number 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to, to, to sustain thee. And he's talking to Elijah here. He's left Cherith, by the way. Cherith was a good place for Elijah, right? Drunk water out of the brook, and the ravens fed him every day. He had it made. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but bring me thereof a little cake first. 
and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and, thy, and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. As we said, Elijah had been getting fed, and um, he sends him to this widow woman. Now, at first glance, you think, um, it looks like if God would have wanted to take care of him, he would have sent him to somebody that had something, right? She had nothing. She had one little small meal left, and she said what she was going to do. Yeah, I know people take that slim fast, but that right there is super slim fast right there. It's all you got left. Now, you say, who's, to whose benefit, then, if God be for us, and God was for Elijah, and he's going to take care of Elijah, to whose benefit was, uh, was all this for? Well, uh, for Elijah anyway, right? And remember what we're talking about here. To them that love God. And who are the called according to his purpose. And so here is Elijah who leaves Cherith to go here. And uh, there's nothing written about it. And I, I, don't, I don't think that Elijah let it bother him any when this woman produced what she had because he knew what God could do. And so God takes care of Elijah. God is for us. And all things work together for good. But what about the widow woman? We forget about her. God not only took care of Elijah, he took care of her too. And he rewarded her in many ways. It wasn't long until her son dies and he's raised back to life. Here's an Old Testament resurrection. If you just read on in this story, you'll see it. But these circumstances of famines and uh, droughts and, uh, and uh, poverty, they don't bother God. God is for us. Look, God takes a handful of meal and a little bit of oil and he multiplies it, and he multiplies it, and he multiplies it. If I had to go back and say how God has taken care of me all these many years, I'll tell you what, you would be amazed. I'm amazed. <laughs> and it actually happened to me, and I'm still amazed at how God took care of us. If God be for us, who can be against us? To them that love God, and who are the called according to his purpose. God has a reason for doing things. Now, I don't, we shouldn't blame everything on God. A lot of things that happen in our life happen because of us. You know, a lot of the bad things that happen in my life is my fault. I, I, I brought them on myself, okay? Now, I can't blame God. God, did, God. God would have done a whole lot, of, lot better job than that. Kind of like uh, Oliver B. Green that said he was down there walking, walking down the street in this alcoholic as wino come up to him and staggering around and he said dr green dr green said you remember me he said no no sir i don't think so he said you ought to remember me he said you saved me and said dr green said i, I guess i did because god would have done a better job you know 
And I often think if it didn't work out right, it's probably because I messed it up. But he has a reason. Here's the thought. Can we trust him? Can we trust him? Can the pastor trust him? Can the church trust him? <laughs> Look, God is for you. You have to learn to trust him. God's not against you. God is for you. And he has promised good to them that love him. And them who are willing to allow his purpose to be executed in their life. All things. I know you've heard that illustration about all things being a recipe, you know, all things that come as a ingredients that by themselves we would reject. Right? Flour. I don't eat raw flour, do you? No, I don't eat that. Salt by itself just to get a, some salt and eat it. Maybe a little bit sometimes, but not a lot. Bacon powder. I don't want to eat that. But I'll tell you what, my wife can take some of them things and put them together just right, put that in the oven. I'll eat it when it comes out of there. (laughs) Yeah, my lips will beat my brains out trying to get to it. Yeah, I'll eat it. But the ingredients is what we don't like. It's the little things in it, the painful things, the hurtful things, the things that's part of God's purpose and part of God conforming us to the image of Christ. It's it's not meant to be nice. It's not meant to feel good. It hurts us. But it can teach us. And it can bring us closer to God. If you would, just keep in mind in these days to come, God is for you. God is in control. He said to draw nigh unto God and God will draw nigh unto us. First Peter, Peter writes, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And the psalmist said it this way in Psalm 37, verse 3 through 5, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. God is good to us. We trust him with our soul when we ask him to save us. Surely we can trust him with our life and with everything that comes into our life. Trust God. Keep moving forward. And God will bless you, that's for sure. As we close tonight, As always, uh, the Word of God has to have an effect in our life. It should have. And as we contemplate it, as we think about it, as we realize that the only good that there is comes from God. And He has promised us His good if we love Him. And if we'll accept His purpose in our life.
You might want to talk to the Lord about that as we close the service tonight. Maybe there where you're at in our prayer time here in just a moment. Talk to God about that. God, am I allowing you to fulfill your purpose in my life? And am I, am I actively loving you the way that I should? I tell you, if you can come to grips with that and you can get that right with God, my goodness, think of what God is going to do in your life because God is for you and not against you. We'll, uh, we'll have a time of prayer. And uh, look, if, if I can help you, if I can pray with you, I'd be happy to. I'll, I'll be right here somewhere here. And just come. But let's just bow our, our hearts in prayer. Go ahead and pray. Take some time with the Lord there where you are. And in just a few minutes or a few moments, I'll close the service out in prayer. Thank you for the good news from your word. And Lord, thank you that you make it so plain and so simple for us. Lord, I thank you that you give us the power of your spirit to live within us. That helps us live the Christian life. And I pray for this church and I pray for each individual who's here. And God, I pray for, the, for Brother Wells, and I ask you, God, that you would do a mighty work in his life and the life of this church, that, God, your, your will may be accomplished. And I pray as we leave this place tonight, Lord, we leave here nearer to God than we were when we came in. God, that our thoughts would be focused upon thee. And, Lord, I just pray Lord, that you would help us and give us that strength that we need, the encouragement that we need from your Spirit and from your Word. And God, that you would just bless, bless these folks and, and take care of them and help them to go forward. Uh, we know that the end is near. We've, we feel it down in our soul that the coming of Christ is, is at hand. And I pray, Lord, whatever we need to do and whatever we need to say, we'll do it now while you afford us the time and opportunity. I pray you'll dismiss us from this place tonight with your love. and God, that you'll watch over all of us and keep us safe. Be with those who are weak and those who are sick. That God, you'd be the great physician to them. For those, Lord, who are discouraged, I pray, God, you'll be the mighty comforter to then. We give you all praise and honor and glory now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.